Hola, 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 amigos, amigas, players, playerettes, doo-doo-dets, everybody in between. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 111, Game of Crimes. Again, constituting the 111th attempt to silence us, and we shall not go quietly into the night. <laughs> and welcome back, everybody. Thank you for your continued support. <laughs> we will not go quietly into the night. Uh, wasn't that uh, Independence Day? <laughs> anyway, uh, hey guys, Morgan Wright here, literally here with my partner in crime. Hey everybody, it's Murph. Welcome back. Again. Seriously. Seriously. Hey guys, some quick housekeeping because that's what it says in the script. Head on over to Apple, Spotify, hit those five stars. Uh, really means a lot to us. If you've been on Stitcher, as you find Stitcher is nomas. Make sure you transition away from Stitcher back onto a platform where you can hear us and hit that download button. Make sure you're downloading us on a regular basis. Why? Because... You just that's something you just need to do. It's in the contract. All right. Mm -hmm. Also, head on over to our website, gameofcrimespodcast.com. Hey, we just did a bonus episode with Kathy Reichs, uh, the inspiration for the hit TV series on Fox called Bones. Uh, she just released her 22nd novel called The Bone Hacker. Um, so her books over there, along with our bonus interview, which we dropped on Thursday. Uh, for you guys. So, uh, hey guys, it's real, it's a real easy listen about an hour. So head on over and listen to that. Also follow us on that thing they call social media at game of crimes on Twitter, game of crimes on podcast or game of crimes podcast. I should say on Facebook and the Instagram and also game of crimes fans, just head on over, type that into Facebook and our favorite mafia queen, Sandy Salvato, the ruler of with the iron fist and the velvet glove, uh, answer a couple questions, get admittance into there, into the inner sanctum. But the one place you really got to be is Patreon patreon.com slash game of crimes right murph because you oh. like it i like it we just got through recording q a an hour and a half of us uh talking out of our ass <laughs> but answering questions from our listeners on patreon that's the best part about it it was good though we had some good questions normally it's about an hour this one was an hour and a half we had some good discussions uh right. from a lot of our folks and, and plus you got to listen to it because uh um uh alex uh as we will just refer to him alex hall but uh, he did some, uh, we got to listen to one of his original compositions and it sounds John Williams like it sounds Star Wars. It sounds like big movie theme stuff. It's uh, oh, just awesome. That was fantastic. Holy, you know, and I want to mention too that, you know, you mentioned Kathy's interview, that bonus episode. I mean, that's what you get here on Game of Crimes. You just never know when we're going to throw a, a little extra bonus out there for, to give you something else to listen to. Life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Never know what you're going to get from us. All right, so head on over to patreon.com slash Game of Crimes. We've got that coming up. Got Case of the Month coming up, 911, What's Your Emergency? Um, we've got our Narcometer review, which, by the way, as we found out from reviewing uh, Miami Vice, one of the worst movies ever we've reviewed. <laughs> it was terrible. Terrible, <laughs> terrible, terrible. A lot, of, uh, a lot of action, but absolutely no believability. Nothing. Uh, no, not at all. Uh, anyway, but if you want to find out why it wasn't, you got to head on over to your Patreon. Dot com slash Game of Crimes. Now, before we get started, I have to give you a disclaimer. This is a show about mm -hmm. crime. We talk about bad people doing bad things and bad people doing bad things to good people. Stir, 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 Murph. God, I can't even speak yep, this that's morning. Me. Yeah, whatever you're called. We take the story seriously, but... We never take ourselves serious. And, and I don't know what's going to happen because I tell you what, during the previous recording, he was singing. He did some of the corniest jokes you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> Listen to q and I was on fire, fire. Yeah, so not sure what's going to happen now. I do. Well, I do know what's going to happen now because Murph, I need to ask you, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? I'm going to ask you one more time. Do you know what time it is? I bet it's time for Small, Small Town, Town Police, Police Blotter. Blotter. Woo -hoo. 
Hey, that's uh, we're giving a shout out to you folks over there in Maui and stuff. Man, our hearts are with you. That is, uh, I was watching 5.0 last night. Uh, you guys all be safe there. In the meantime, let's see if we can help out with just a little hilarity. So, Murph, this comes to us from Kenwood, Ohio. Population 7,538. Salute. Salute. Murph, if you're going to steal some shit, probably the getaway plan is very key, right? How you get away? Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if you're going to steal diamonds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Larry Bridgman, 57. Marcy Young, 61. Tried to steal jewelry from the Diamonds Rock in Kenwood, Ohio. The surveillance, now here's the surveillance video shows a man who investigators say is Bridgman smashed through the front door and used a crowbar and screwdriver to unlock a second door. He then looks for the right showcase to break into. He grabbed what he could, and you can see he's trying to pull some rings, pendants, things out, and the police are coming. He is telling her, hey, we got to get out of the building, got to get out of the building. So they tried to make their getaway by going down a stairwell, but they realized it didn't lead where they needed to. So what did they do? They retraced their footsteps. And what did they go into instead? Oh, they met the police. No, they went into an elevator. And the elevator got stuck at the garage level. That's what I love about that's this. When they, that's when they met the police. They met the police after the fire department had to come and rescue their asses out of the stuck elevator. By the way, they tried to hide the stuff in the ceiling. Oh, guys, doesn't work. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay, so what do we learn here today, folks? If there's a fire, use the stairwells, not the elevators. And if you're stealing diamonds from a jewelry store, don't use the elevators then either. Don't use the elevator. Follow your fire safety protocols and exit the building quickly. All right. Got another question for you, Murph. This, this is not a small town, but it's a, but it's a stupid criminal nonetheless. Steve, let's assume that you're eating pizza and you're working DEA, right? And um, mm-hmm. you're hungry, right? Oh, yeah. So what are the chances are you've got your pistol in one hand and a piece of pizza in the other? Uh, very slim. <laughs> not if you're Armando Colon. <laughs> There's a good name for him, or it's probably Colon, but I, it looks like Colon to me. What a shitty yep. name. Armando Colon, oh. right? And, and, so him and Dion Reese, they ordered two pizzas to be delivered. Um, and according to the assistant state attorney, when the delivery man arrived with the food, Reese threatened him with a gun. Both Colon, 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 I'm going to rename him Colon. Both Small Colon and Reese went through the man's pockets, <laughs> took 40 to 50 bucks, and then they fled the scene. Now, they stole the pizza, right? So Colon was mm-hmm. eating the stolen pizza. And he shot himself while he was handling the gun used during the robbery. What self-respecting robber? First of all, your hands are greasy. You're trying to hold on to a weapon, and then boom, it slips and it goes off. I'm telling you. Nasty. So nasty. He was taken to the hospital. Now, fortunately for him, he didn't shoot the boys. He only shot a finger. Um, And so they were also, but guess what, Steve? This was the first, these guys have a food fetish. They were also behind a robbery of a Chinese food delivery man. They were charged for two robberies and appeared in court. Um, now, I will tell you, as Carr described, the, the state attorneys described Colin's misfortune before a judge, apparently several onlookers in the court uh, started laughing. <laughs> Good for them. I mean, all right, so think about this for a second. How much are you going to get off of, of an Uber, you know, Uber delivery, food delivery service? A hundred bucks? Yeah, is that worth it? Idiots. Well, and then you shoot yourself in the finger. Damn, look at that pepperoni. God damn, what happened there? All right. Now, Steve, always yes. got to slip in a Florida man story. Florida hey. man. 
So this dude was caught stealing bicycles accessories from Largo, Florida, which is just right outside Tampa there. Mm -hmm. So what did he arrest or what did he swipe? He swiped a bicycle pump, a lock, and an inner tube from the Walmart in Largo. So why did he do that? He parked his bike outside. His bike had a flat tire, so he thought he'd go in, um, enter the store, and uh, try and stash the items worth $35 under his T-shirt. They spotted him, alerted the police who collared him. When they initially contacted him, his name is Kazmar, he made the following spontaneous statement. I'm not good at shoplifting. That's what yeah, he told think? the police. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you're going to go, go big. You know, get that air pump to go with the tube and the tire. Oh, Steve, but this this wasn't his first it wasn't his first rodeo. Um, <laughs> it includes two prior theft concept, er, convictions, and he was hit with a felony charge for Tuesday's alleged pilferage. Why? He was arrested last month for stealing $20.78 worth of multiple drinks and sandwiches from another Walmart in St. Pete at the time of his arrest. He was also charged with possession of fentanyl and drug paraphernalia. I knew Whoa, drugs had to be involved at some point. I, I honestly thought you were going to say meth. Well, rule number one, don't do meth. But now we're going to have to say don't do meth or fentanyl. So <laughs> this guy needs to raise his sights a little bit, you know. If you're going to be a criminal, go big. Raise your standards. That's right, dude. Just quit <laughs> doing a Walmart, man. Go to a Costco. All right. <laughs> or Sam. So, yeah. So hey, let's set up this next episode because Murph had a hard time doing this because he had to give props to our next guest, Brandon Perry. Why? Because Brandon started off life in the most glorious and noble of all professions. As a state trooper. Yeah, but it's Branson, not Brandon. Oh, I'm sorry. My son's name is Brandon. <laughs> sorry, Branson. <laughs> sorry, well, Branson, because you know what? I mean, Branson's sorry, Branson. a big man. Yeah, well, that's why we do this shit over the internet. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And I mean, you know, I, I'll just have to say it was, you know, you guys know my pet name for uh, Morgan here is AAA because when he was a trooper, he was always changing tires and getting people gas. So, it was just AAA squared doing this interview with Branson down here. <laughs> hey, Branson, I love you, brother. <laughs> oh, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. But I'll tell you what's interesting. Uh, besides, yeah, Branson, uh, not Brandon, but Branson. We should change his name to Brandon, but Branson, like Pinchot, you know, the guy in, uh, the guy that played Saturday in Beverly Hills Cop, you know. No, Maybe that's who Branson really. No, he's definitely not Branson. That one, Branson Pinchot. He's not Serge. But he did have one of the most. We, we'll tell you a little bit, but we'll we'll tell you this. But we want to get into the story because when he started off on the highway patrol as a state trooper, Steve, I have never been involved in anything like this. I think you said you never had. I had never heard of a situation like this. Um, never ever no, happening I was a cop for thirty eight years and never heard of anything like this. This, this well, boy, let me tell you what, Branson is setting a new standard <laughs> when it comes to hitting the road out there, brother. He's well, uh, hey, tell people we wanted to have him. We wanted to have him for a follow up too, and we're going to bring him on. And the follow up was, I mean, uh, dude sees several tons of an illicit substance by doing something we just talked about in our Q and A, which was a consensual encounter. Mm -hmm. Um. And discovered that we're going to have to have him back on. But, I mean, Branson just, he's busier now than he ever was as a trooper, I think, now that he's over at the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics Enforcement. Yeah, and it's, um, well, you're not going to hear him talk about it because this happened after we did his interview. But last, so we're in August now recording this, and this was in July. Uh, had five major interdiction stops. He's one of the best interdictors in the whole country. One of those was uh, he did a consensual stop and a truck stop. 
<laughs> walked away with seven tons of weed. Now, that's a little bit more than personal use. But here's the important part of that. Everybody thought mar- marijuana legalization in the United States was going to stop loads of weed coming in from Mexico. Trust us. That's not going to happen. Go back and listen to John Norris's interview on episode 108. This is just a continuation of what's been going on with the Mexican cartels. And thank God we got people like Branson out there who are dedicating his life. I mean, you know how hot it's been. And you're out there on the highway. He even told, he sent me a text message that said they had to change their work hours to 4 a.m. to 2 p.m. because it's so damn hot out there they couldn't survive. So and we just, got on to Branson, courtesy of who again? Oh, Mr. Wayne Stinnett out in Oklahoma. Uh, Wayne is fantastic. Former guest on our show, episode 101. And Love listen this. to his episode, too, talking about the proliferation of marijuana, what's going on out there. The cartels have not gone away. You listen to that. You listen to John Norris. And then now when you listen to Branson, what you're going to realize is that it has created a series of unintended consequences um, for what the cartels get involved in and illicit stuff. And as with John Norris, we found out, too, the just enormous environmental damage and impact that it does. But um, this is good stuff. Branson, was, not and- Brandon. Good. Well, I was going to say that, you know, they just had the Oklahoma A1 conference. That's their narcotics association out there. And guess who one of their guest speakers was? From episode 86 of Game and Crimes, Mr. Kevin Black. Ooh, guess what? Kevin talked about how he crapped his pants. <laughs> Kevin, you know we are not going to let that. that go, brother. All right. Well, there's only going to one way you find out if Branson craps his pants or actually what he does. That's different. And the first encounter he had might have been if he was going to crap his pants, it would have been this encounter. But we will never find out about this encounter until I have an encounter with Murph and I ask him, Murph, are you ready to play the biggest, baddest, most AAA friendly, dangerous game of all, <laughs> the game of crimes? Everybody get in, sit down, shut up and hold on. And I just got to say this. The statement made was, somebody's going to jail, boys. Better get your guns out. That's what we're getting ready to hear about. Come on, Francis. Tell us what happened. (laughs) Hey, you guys. We are back again with yet another this is going to be a terrific episode because I had to stop this guy. Don't I don't want to know. Save it for the podcast because it is a. By the way, Murph, how do you, what how do you refer to troopers? What do you call them? Uh, well, see now what I call you is AAA and all troopers. And and uh, for our guest today, I'm sure he can back us up. Although he has another occupation, he doesn't know I know about. Uh, so you know, troopers. Stripper? I mean, no, no. I mean, troopers go out and and they help people. They help them change their tires on the highway. They go get them gas. You know, they might get them something to eat, whatever it takes. So I call Morgan AAA. But now here's what I found out about Branson. And and he held that, he held out on us, Morgan. So you, we got sandbagged. Oh, oh there is time. a penalty. Oh. He, didn't, he didn't tell me about his career with UPS. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what color are Oklahoma trooper uniforms? That'd be brown. Yep. And, and what color is UPS uniform? <laughs> kind of a kind of a crap brown, I think. <laughs> brown, golden brown. Well, look, we ought to tell poop? people who we're talking to. It's, <laughs> it's Branson Perry, former Oklahoma trooper, um, and now he's got another badge on his shirt. What is that badge on your shirt? Uh, the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics. Yeehaw. Yeah. It seems right. to me, Murph, we know a couple people that were with the Oklahoma Bureau of Narcotics. I, we have. And, and you know what? And our listeners, our regular listeners know who we're talking about. It's Wayne Stinnett, 
Uh, mm-hmm. Former head of the uh, Oklahoma Narcotics, was it A1 is what they call their association. Right. I, I never can remember the whole acronym, but Wayne has been fantastic for us. You know, we had him on the show here just a few weeks ago. When we, like when we had uh, Kevin Holtry on from Boise, Idaho, I couldn't get a, any contact information for, for Kevin. And I reached out to Wayne. He says, I don't know him, but I know somebody does know him. So Wayne is in, in the game of crimes world. Wayne Stinnett is a hero here. He's the one that introduced us to Branson here. I'm not going to tell you where I got the story about the brown uniform, but you can probably figure that out as a trained criminal investigator. Find out. <laughs> hey, well, first of all, welcome to Game of Crimes, Branson Perry, former Oklahoma State Trooper, Troopers Rule. Yes, sir. All right. Oh, all right. well, here we go. So, uh, listeners, our listeners, I apologize because if they're probably going to talk about, you know, Trooper who has stuff. the cheapest gas prices and and what record services are available for you. Well, let me tell you. <laughs> what, at, when gas prices started getting high and they started limiting your mileage and the start, sergeant started checking how many miles you were driving, you remember those days, don't you, Branson? Yes, it's like, I do. Man. We would just uh, we just work in one spot and, you know, give, <laughs> give them hell kind of thing. <laughs> Have them come to you. That's well, right. Hey, well, and, and, and just to say, I, I am... Honored to have you on here, Branson. I'm so thankful that you agreed to come on. Um, well, this after sniffing us last time, we were getting ready to go, and he goes, no, I, I got I to go take a poop. And so yeah. the guy takes a poop. Well, you know, more I mean, important than being on our show. You know, I thought I thought troopers carried toilet paper in the trunk of your car. I don't know. Hey, that's not why on. I couldn't go. <laughs> But I'll, for, for, yeah, I'll let y'all. Yo, you know about this. Right now, Branson's wondering, what the heck did I get myself into? Yeah, I know it. You know what it's like when you're out 15 miles from district headquarters, you know, close, and there's nothing out there. It's like, there's a couple things you can do, but number two is not one of them. So that's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I'll tell you a story later about uh, uh, toilet paper. Anyway, but let's get back to you, Branson, as we do with everybody. Yes. Yes. Cosa Nostra, thing of ours. How did you, Branson Perry, get started in this thing of ours we called law enforcement? Were you like hanging around an OU uh, Oklahoma State game? You got arrested? I mean, for what? For, you know, <laughs> no, drinking no, beer? no. It's a, it's a lot. It's a lot simpler than that, man. My dad was a state trooper from 1969. He he graduated from the 25th Highway Patrol Academy from 69. He retired in 96. Um, did his entire career in Tulsa. Uh, retired as a troop commander there. His name is Ken Perry. And i tell you what, fellas, I, I've been blessed. Uh, That's absolutely the only job I ever wanted to do. Um, you know, I'd, I'd run out to my dad's car and get on the radio when I was a little kid and get my butt, butt in trouble on that. And, <laughs> and I, it honestly, it, it's, it's, it's really, and my dad never one time said, son, I think you need to be a trooper. You know, it was, he, he was pretty stoic about it, but that's, uh, that's, that's exactly, you know, he was my hero and he, he passed away, um, in 04, but, but, uh, but he was, he was quite the man and he was, that's, I don't know, that's, I just want to be like him. <laughs> Morgan, why don't we, uh, dedicate today's episode Absolutely. to Branson's dad? Uh, yes, what was his name again? Uh, Ken Perry. Ken Perry. So yes. thank you for your service, Ken. God bless you. It's a special sure. place for uh, people to dedicate their lives to uh, serving the public. So yeah, the troopers have an extra special place too. So we yeah, have absolutely. a very special place. Oh, this is a, 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 our listeners. If y'all hear me snoring, it's cause they're telling trooper stories. Hey, look, when, you're going to find they're kind of boring. When God but, hey, gets what? in trouble. Who does he call? He calls uh, troopers. That's, that's right. right. That's what <laughs> that's I tell right. myself. <laughs> hey, what's interesting right. too, my sister, uh, when she got married, uh, her current or her husband to be, he was a book publisher, um, 
little bit. They were in the 59th floor of the Earl Roberts Towers there in Tulsa. So I went down to her wedding. They, they, the wedding, they got married in the atrium of the Earl Roberts Towers. It was like beautiful. You know, Tulsa was just beautiful down there. Hey, Branson and Steve, hang on for just a second. I want to tell you about something. Now, a lot of us, we work on articles, we work on emails, we're writing things, we're hunting for jobs, or even creating posts on social media. So do you struggle to get those things done? You want to improve what it is you're doing? Well, look, when it comes to writing with AI, Grammarly is the expert. For years, they've been helping students and professionals harness the power of AI to perfect their writing wherever they are. And now they're bringing you Grammarly Go to help you tackle your projects. It's the new product that brings the capabilities of personalized AI to the Grammarly experience. Now, let me tell you, I've been working on a book. I know we've talked about it. Sherry, TikTok, TikTok. I just finished it up. I'm using Grammarly right now as we speak to go through and edit my manuscript, fine-tune it, polish it up, make it as perfect as it can get. Now, here's the way it works. You can get ideas. You can unlock your creative potential. So you need some inspiration. Save time with AI and get instant drafts or outlines with Grammarly Go. It can even help you plan out your whole itinerary for your vacation. Or for example, say, hey, give me 10 ideas for decorating a taco truck. Who else does that for you? Only Grammarly. So need to draft an important email? Don't know where to start? Well, look, input a prompt to generate one in seconds. And the best part, and this is what gets Merce's attention, it's free to use. You'll be amazed at what you can do with Grammarly Go. Go to GrammarlyGo.com slash go to download and learn more about Grammarly Go. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash go. Hey, guys, let's get back into the story. Yeah, it's it's pretty nice down there still, but there's it gets a little sporty in a couple different directions. <laughs> Depending on where you go. Well, let's, let's talk about this. So what year, um, you know, so after you got done with high school, what'd you do? Um, I went to play college football and, uh, which is the other thing I wanted to do. And, and I went to, I ended up at Northeastern state university. It was an AI college at the time. Um, and I know you well, yep. did you ever know the college Fort Hayes state? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. I know four days. That's, that's yep. where I went to. Yes. Yeah. So we were we, in AIA division one at that yep. time. Our, our last year kind of, I'm going to, I find myself talking more about this the older I get. I didn't used to talk about it, but we, we won a national championship my senior year. So, you know, that's really? kind of cool. cool. Yeah. National yeah. What position? Yeah. Um, defensive tackle. So, all right. Yeah. That explains why you became an Oklahoma trooper instead of a Kansas one. <laughs> yeah. Hits to the head. yeah, that's right. Go hit are that you, guy. Are, you, are your knuckles all gnarled up and everything? Oh, uh, well, I've already had a knee replacement, if that tells you anything. <laughs> I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. Yeah, about yeah. a year ago almost. So, but we're good. So, so how, uh, how, how big of a school was it? Like five, 6,000 people maybe? Uh, no, no. It's, it was a, it's a really, it's always been a pretty large school. Um, uh, campus wise. Yeah. You're probably right on actual on, on campus, but I'll tell you what, we had big winning tradition there for many years. And, and as soon as we left, they kind of went to pot and they're trying oh, of to, of course they always do. When I left, things went to <laughs> shit. Yeah, too, man. They, they're trying to rebuild it. You know, we still support them, go to the games and my daughter ended up, uh, uh, being on the dance team there and, and heck she ended up winning a national championship with her dance team there. So she was, she very cool. did well. So, but, uh, yeah, big sport of that college, got my degree there. And only reason, honestly, the only reason I went to college and got my degree is I couldn't be a trooper until I was 23. So like, now, well, okay. I guess well, I'll I go to college. Ask you about that. So what'd you, first of all, what'd you major in? What'd you get your degree Criminal in? justice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why 23? Yeah. I don't know. I, 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 
kind of questioned that myself many times, but I tell you what, and it, it's bounced back and forth. I, th- I think it's, I think they've stuck with 21 now, but, uh, you know, kind of that old school mentality, you know, cultures have changed many times since then, but as far as young men and women that apply, but, but, uh, I don't know. It, it that's just, uh, well, it's kind of a tradition. Oh yeah, no, it's a tradition thing too. Uh, yeah. There was one time when I got on the patrol, 1984 is when I got on. I started 82 on a police department, 84 on the patrol. Only the third female in the history of the highway patrol. We were coming up on 50 years at that time. But there used to be a thing. They wanted you to be at least six foot tall, right. <laughs> you know, be a guy. Yep. And couldn't have mustaches. 1984 was the first year the highway patrol was allowed to have mustaches. Yep. I, the same kind of deal here. You used to, have, you, you know, you couldn't be a certain height and, you know, you basically had to, you know, be a stud, I guess. I don't know. And then, then they let me in. Well, but you were stud. Yeah, but you know, but think, go ahead, Murph. I, got well, I was going to say, you just yesterday, we on, for on our Patreon channel here for Game of Crimes, uh, we did our question and our monthly question and answer Q&A. And one of the questions on there was from a police officer in another part of the country here that asked if we thought uh, the minimum age for coming on as a police officer should be raised because there had been a female officer in training that was killed in a car wreck accident, I think on a car pursuit or something. Burglary suspect got hit by her own department. Yeah, like I I got hired as a sworn officer one month after I turned 19 years old. Right. Um. So I, I tell you, I've got an opinion about the whole 21 year old thing. And, and it, I, I use some of it. I use my own son as a, an example of he's in the air force right now. And, and I've watched him mature since he was 18. He's almost done with his four year commitment and he's going to go in there national guard. But, but, you know, just, I think just life maturity in itself probably has something to do with it. And there's, there's, that's not a bad thing, you know, well, hats off to your son for being in the yeah. air force. We appreciate oh, your yeah, service. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, too bad it wasn't the army, but anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> hey, but, but you know, but you bring up a point though, too, but you, there was a reason why years ago they wanted guys, good sized guys. Cause I, I will talk about where you were at, but when I first got put out, once I got done with training, I might be the only guy out for five or six counties. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to handle stuff by yourself. We didn't have full service sheriff's office. Um, kind of the old saying we we're talking about before you came on, we we're talking about Rangers, you know, one riot, one Ranger. Well, that's the way it was, man. You had to handle stuff. And I remember a couple of times, like stolen cars or stuff going on. They actually had to call a deputy from home, had to get dressed or get call them out of bed, um, you know, for a backup. Because first stolen car I ever got, my closest backup was I think eighteen miles away. Finally, oh, yeah. I said, "Screw this! Get out of the car, lay on the pavement." You know, yeah. And, you know. yeah. It's it. You know, the rules of engagement are always different when you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They are. Well, let's let's talk about you. So when did you come on? What year did you enter service uh, with the Oklahoma so Highway Patrol? Jan- January 31st, 1995, I, I showed up in Oklahoma City at, at uh, Robert, Robert Lester Training Center, and that's when it began. So so give us an idea about the training. So first of all, how long was your application process? How long did it take you to get uh, through probably about four months. It seems like I was, I had to go to Oklahoma city a few times when I was playing ball. Uh, so, you know, I, I started, I put my application in probably late spring and, uh, um, and it, you know, it probably took up about four to six months. And, you know, once they did the home visit and the background and the polygraph and all that stuff. And, and then we started, uh, 31st, uh, of January. And prior to my academy, the Highway Patrol had not had an academy for four or five years. 
Kind so, of the way, yeah, yeah, we went through that same phase too. You'd go through a, uh, you'd look at the class numbers and the years and you realize, man, there's like a three, four year gap. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's when that started. And, and i tell you what, and, and of course the, the patrol school, they do not, they do such a great job now training these young men and women. Now when we went through, we, they just ran us and just, they just tortured you and, you know, for no apparent reason. And I don't remember anything they taught me there. I mean, it, other than just get up, go run, go do this, get down. Go How do long that. was it? It was, it was, uh, 18 weeks. Did, so. Now, did you go out during that time and do any field training, or was it 18 weeks straight? No, it was 18 weeks straight. They, I think after week six, five or six, we actually got to leave the, the premises for about 48 hours. And and uh, we started out, I think, 70, 73 cadets, and we, we graduated 47. So, yeah, wow. So, yeah. Was that, man. Well, yeah. What washed everybody out? Man, you know, different things for different people. I remember, I wish, and I don't remember this guy's name. He was really cool about week three. I remember being in formation with him and I kind of looked to my left and they were going to, they were talking about letting us go home. And man, he had that look in his eye. He had kids. That's really tough, you know, and, and, uh, he had kids and, and I'm like, dude, you ain't coming back, are you? <laughs> He's gone, but I always, and I, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about, uh, one of my my litter mates, Steve Smith, uh, badge seven twenty five. He was he he was shot in the neck, became paraplegic. Um, man, one of the best guys. He was big old guy. I, I went through patrol school at twenty three, and he was thirty three when he went through. I mean, just a tough as nails, and uh, and he spent he spent several years in a wheelchair after he was shot and ended up passing. But, but, uh, you know, that, that, uh, I always, I always like to talk about him anytime I get a chance. So he was, he was a good partner. We do too, we'll, brother. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, the, all of us got friends, you know, been That's through right. that names are on the wall. I had That's the right. chance to be out at the candle lighting ceremony when they read the names. Cause one of my friends, actually a good friend of mine got on the patrol. He died during a, uh, chase with a burglary suspect um so i was there when they read his name out on the wall right yeah. kent newport so we all know these guys um yes sir well real quickly um you said litter mate or, I, it's what, just what, what they call him you know i don't know that's kind of a dumb name and <laughs> but yeah like, you know guys you go to too? patrol school with you know yeah well, that was interesting because when I went through, uh, they were actually pretty nice. Uh, they let you out Friday at five o'clock. You had to be back Sunday by five. Um, and then, but what was different though, is once they figured out what your duty station was going to be, I had to move out there after seven weeks. Then we had four weeks out in the field riding with our training officer in a training uniform and then come back to finish seven weeks of the academy. It so, is different. That's a different way of doing it. Uh, yep. Yeah, it was, it was a little, it was tough, but, um, Let's talk well, about it. They have to start teaching you guys mechanics so you can do minor repairs on the engines on the side of the highway. Yeah. yeah. That way you don't have to call. <laughs> Change AAA's the tire, here. all that stuff. Triple A's here. <laughs> yeah. Remember, Triple A's got a ticket book too. Remember, Murph. remember yeah, Murphy, if it wasn't for the uniform guys, you wouldn't have nothing to stat. Well, that's true. You know, 
I mean, it's there, like boom, Mike. DEA, thank you very much. You know, DEA stands for don't expect anything. That's so right. you know, hey, look at the seizure I got today. No, the troopers got that yeah. today. You're just taking credit for it. But That's I tell right. you what, we do have a little bit better than ATF. ATF stands for adopt that. You can figure out what the F stands oh, for. No, we, yeah. it stands for after the fire. That's when they show up. <laughs> after the fact. <laughs> after the fact. After the fire. Um, dun, 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 dun. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, we got to pick on everybody. Famous That's but right. incompetent. Yeah. Um, Lou you're going to want to kick my ass next time I see you. Yeah, no, what, Lou can kick his ass. By the way, I never yeah. came up with, what do we say for U.S. Marshal Service, USMS? I don't know, because I don't want to piss off Bill Saruka's. He'll no, find he'll head, yeah. down your ass down. Yeah. <laughs> hey, well, tell us real quick about your um, uh, your friend. What happened? Badge 275, 725, I mean. 725. Um, you know, and i tell you what, and to, to know this guy, you'd appreciate why he did what he did, but you know, he was, it was like 11 o'clock. He was, he was sitting at the fire department, getting ready to go home. And, and a, a county, the highway patrol had gotten into just recently gotten into this hostage negotiation thing. Um, I think they kind of outkicked their coverage as far as training goes in that, that time. But, you know, Steve would have showed up regardless, but he was, he had gotten involved in that. And there was a fella out there. Uh, another trooper had encountered a guy, out at the, at a cemetery, a county over and, and he had a gun and he had backed away from him and, and, and Steve had gotten in his car instead of going home. He went, he went there and, and he ended up, um, uh, pretty, pretty close to, to, to the guy talking to him. The, the, uh, sheriff of the, that county was there as well. Uh, long story short, after a little bit of a, a conversation with him, guy he talked the guy into putting a gun down. What they did not know is is that that this guy had murdered uh, either his wife or his girlfriend and had dumped her body out there at that at cemetery and just that evening. And and anyway, a little struggle ensued, and and the bad guy got the gun, shot the sheriff. Uh, in the in the arm and then shot Steve as a three feet seven got him in the neck and that and that, that bullet went into his vertebrae and 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 that's kind of what ended up taking his life several years later you know but he became a, a paraplegic but um, what happened to the piece of shit he died they shot and killed him so good yeah so uh, but you know that was uh, that was really I tell you what uh, and I'll, I you know God's been a big part of my life throughout my career as as most law enforcement officers you have those moments and I remember you remember back in the day you know everybody would have like a scanner you know and uh, we had came it was on a Sunday because we had gone to church that evening and I come home and I never was really into scanners or anything. And, and, and I went out to the garage and got that thing and turned it on and I was listening to it. And I, and I heard one of the older troopers, um, his name's Ted Hollingsworth. I heard him go 10, eight on the radio. I'm like, I, he worked, I know he worked a day shift that day. So I called him and I'm like, man, what are you doing? And he's like, man, Steve's been shot and, and we're going to go, we're going to go talk to Jeanette, his wife. And, and so Steve lived a couple streets over from me. So, I ended up going over there and talking to her with him. And that was just a terrible, terrible time. And, and, you know, it, uh, never forget it. You know, you know, I never had that experience of having, I've delivered death messages for people killed in car wrecks and things like that. Sure. When I was a uniform cop, but, right. but never had to go to somebody's house to talk to a family member. Even, you know, my partner got shot in Miami in 89 with DEA, but he was single. 
Uh, and the biggest thing we had to do there was keep these two different girlfriends separated out of the hospital. <laughs> yeah, I bet that was a <laughs> which is true. That a, yeah, that was a deal. I sure did. But hey, I, I can't. Just, I can't imagine a worse thing than going and telling a brother officer's family what yeah. happened. I tell you, it grew, it grew me up. You know, I was pretty young still, and and just kind of watching the process. And I was really impressed with with a lot of different troopers, the way they they handled that, and and in the years to come, really, you know, I say years, a lot of time, you know, the, when the fanfare stops and the, and the welcome home banners go away, you know, and Steve's still sitting there in a wheelchair, you know, yeah. and, and I, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of troopers that, that, that did a, a really good job of main, you know, keeping him involved in things and, and, uh, and myself, you know, just maintaining my, my relationship with him and, and, uh, I tell you, and you know, I, I always like telling funny stories about him. He was such a, a cut up and uh, Andy Griffith type, but I was over at his house one evening. He would, he would want me to tell this story. Uh, um, he had a colostomy bag and, and, uh, we were watching TV and, and, uh, he, he'd look at me and say, Bubba, he said, I think he kind of looked down at his colostomy because he, I think it's time. And. Of course, this is this is when you know, you love your brother right here. You know, I'm like, all right. He, and it was just a funny time between him and I. And, and I changed that thing. And I tell you what is most rancid smell. And he'd look at me, and we would just he'd start laughing so hard he'd cry. <laughs> and, and I just I'd never forget that. It was just kind of his little dig at me. You know, he says, I he goes, I'm glad you're doing it. <laughs> you, you know, know that, that's a that's a perfect story to talk about the the culture and law enforcement, the brotherhood and sisterhood that yes. we have because of, yep. and, and if you've been in the military or you've been in an in occupation where there's a, a high chance of danger and, you know, uh, injury and death, not just law enforcement, military, but other first responders, I mean, electrical workers, whoever, but the, you build up this bond where, I mean, you were literally willing to do just about anything to help your brother or sister out. And that's, you know, it's a nasty story, but that's yeah. the truth in the law it enforcement is. culture. But it that's is. what it's. And by the way, I just pulled up uh, ODMP. So Trooper Stephen Roy Smith, badge seven twenty five. Incident date Sunday, April twenty fifth, nineteen ninety nine. Into watch Thursday, February 9th, two thousand six. So this is us saluting him and tell Valhalla, brother. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Well, let, let's move on to something. Yeah. Uh, let's lighten the thing up a little yeah, bit. Sorry I mean, about after that. the colostomy bag, I don't know where to go with this. So. <laughs> there you go. Hey, well, let's 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 talk about because uh, there's a couple. So, what did you do between college and getting on the highway patrol? Uh, there wasn't anything. I as soon as I uh, like, I played my last football game December seventeenth, and then I joined the patrol thirty first of January. So wow. you were twenty three. Yes, sir. What did you take a little while to graduate college? What are you I, on the six year plan? <laughs> Morgan, you can see he's a big guy, right? He's, yeah, no, I'm that's tell why we're doing little. this over video <laughs> from home, man. Yeah, we. Uh, um, I, I think I was on the four and a half year plan. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I used all my eligibility. There you go. Mark was on the four and a half year plan too back in third grade. He had the same problems. Darn right. But hey, I stuck with it. I never gave up. Stuck with it. That's right. Hey, well, so you get on, you get out of training. Now, um, how long are you guys out in training before you're released? Um, I think we see, we went through, see, May, June, July. I think it was a three month period where we were with two different uh, FTOs uh, and then, and then they turn you loose. So, 
but when he was in the academy, now I mean, there's got to be some funny stories that came out of the academy. Man, I tried to put that thing out of my mind. It was <laughs> bad, huh? <laughs> yeah, it was. It had so it, it, it just it was just rough on you, you know. <laughs> is that their goal? Is to see, uh, you know? So we've we've talked to some guys who've gone through buds, you know, SEAL training, uh-huh. Ranger training, and a lot of that is just designed to see: Do you have the will to stick it out? Do you have the will to win? Was that some of it, or was there? Oh, it was really the majority of it. Just you know, staying hooked up and. And, uh, I tell you what, um, I, I do have one kind of, when you're going through those, those academy environments, you know, you, those, those commandants and those leaders in there, you know, uh, you know, we would go run and then, and then before, you know, of course we didn't know that this was happening, but like you got all this, these academy staff out running with you and then you come in and, and you walk in, you go up on the third deck and the third floor and they're already in class A uniform, all shined up. You're like, wait a minute, you were just out running with us. How did this happen? And y- your brain is because you're so tired. And, and anyway, but there's this one guy, uh, at the time he was a captain, he was our commandant. His name is Jim Roper. And, uh, he went on to be a, I thought very highly of him, Marine. Um, he would give us those nighttime speeches, you know, you and only you know, you know, look to your left, look to your right. It behoove you to, you know, if, you know, to quit, you know, if you ain't got it. I mean, he gave us all those speeches and motivated us. Well, we, we kind of put him up on a pedestal, man. Cause he was, man, he was six, five, you know, two twenty five. you know, he would, uh, you know, he'd come take your rifle from you when you're out there running and, and take it from you and run around in circles. I mean, he was just a stud. Well, we had him pretty high. And I remember one time, uh, you know, the Oklahoma city bombing happened right at the end of our Academy. And, and, uh, we were scheduled to, we graduated in May and it obviously happened in April. And, and so, with a lack of a better word or phrase, I mean, things just kind of went to shit there in Oklahoma city. And, uh, we were, I mean, we felt that, that concussion, you know, just a few miles away from it and went upstairs, saw the black plume and, and, and so things started happening and, and people trying to respond that we've never really responded to anything like that before. Well, a couple of days had gone by and they used our academy as a, as to man the inside perimeter of, of the bombing site. And, and they would they'd drive us over there every morning and, and all these leaders within the highway patrol are being, are being tested right now with their leadership abilities. And, and I remember looking over and again, kind of funny moments in the middle of tragedy, you know, we all looked over and everybody, I hear everybody whispering. We're like, I'm like, what's going on? You know? And, and they're like, look, there's, there's major Roper over there. And man, he is all disheveled class A uniforms, all jacked up. He's got like a three day beard going. He's just pulling them cigarettes off, just stress, you know, like, look at that, you know? And, and, and I don't know. I did, I'll never forget that. It really wasn't maybe a funny moment, but it was, uh, it was just something, that you experienced in the middle of all that tragedy, a bunch of, a bunch of troopers trying to get it right and, and do things and, uh, and I don't know, stepping up and, and handling business there. But it was, it was quite the, it was quite the experience. Um, 
No, I'll never forget that. <laughs> on our Patreon episode yesterday, one of the questions asked was, what's a, <clears throat> like for Steve other than Pablo, which is the only thing he's been resting, you know, been playing right. on for, you know. Only you, had to do one, brother. Only had to do one, man. <laughs> well, what's yeah. a famous case? Well, I- interestingly enough, when I was a detective, I, I got off the patrol, got on the police department because I wanted to go into investigations. And I worked with the FBI to follow up leads on the Oklahoma City bombing, but Here's the thing: the both Nichols and McVeigh, uh, when they got out of the uh, the service terminal service, they went through my mom's office. My mom was the secretary for the garrison commander. She processed both Nichols and McVeigh out. They rented the truck from a rider truck rental on Golden Belt Boulevard wow. in Junction City, Kansas, one mile from where my mother lived. The asswipes built the bomb at Gary County State Lake, five miles from the front door of my boyhood home. And when they found the video surveillance of McVeigh, because I was born at Fort Riley. So right. we moved around the world and ended up back at Fort Raleigh. So when we started talking about this, I mean, there's so many touch points with that. And then I remember my training officer at Salina PD was a guy named Bob Gardner. He went to the Dickinson County Sheriff's Office. Well, when they finally identified them and made the arrest and they arrested Terry Nichols in Harrington, Kansas, I turned on the news. I see my training officer with that piece of shit and handcuffs on him. And Ken Patarek, I think his name was, was U.S. Marshal Marshals, yeah. for Kansas. Um, I remember seeing those guys take him into custody. And so it was like that. I, I was in Orlando, Florida at a cop training conference when that happened. And I mean, it's like the same thing with us. The Everything just stops and everybody's trying to get information. So you know that uh, the place that they had uh, me and a few of my guys set up at, at that entrance, uh, you know, that video of that bank where you see the truck going right before it parked. Yeah. So there was a vehicle parked right there and, and when we showed up right there, there was a there was an axle embedded inside this vehicle, and that was actually the axle from that rider, rider truck. truck. Yeah, that, I remember the ATF coming and roping it off a few days later. And some of the pictures that came out of that, the picture, and I think he just passed away, right? The one firefighter that was holding the child in his yes. arms. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And but I, but I'll tell you, we we bag on the FBI, but what I give them credit for is like with the uh, the first Trade Center bombing or this one. And the, the, we had Ed uh, Davis on, the commissioner of the Boston police, talking about the Boston Marathon bombing. But when they get when they bring all their people out and they get going and they you start looking for stuff, just finding the VIN, the vehicle identification number, looking for little stuff like that to track it back and figure out who it was. I mean, that was all obviously an all hands on deck thing, man. So, how did that forever change you when you saw that? You know, that was it was. I tell you, I, and I we me and my family were just in Oklahoma City the other day, and I. I, every time we go and spend time there, I take them down to the memorial and Same I point here. out different things. And and I remember the the church that they were had the temporary mortuary, you know, mortuary there, and 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 the body parts in the in the trailer and the smell and all that. I'll never forget any of that stuff. Young man, twenty three years old, hadn't seen squat, you know, and then and just kind of processing that, processing that stuff and really just kind of hanging on to it until. Because I really didn't know what I didn't, not really. I didn't know what evil was at, when I was at at that point in my life, and just kind of tucked it away, went to work, uh, let it motivate me a little bit, and then years later, it starts kind of unfolding. Like there's there's some real e- evil in this world, you know, and I just happened to be witness to to that event, um, and but it, it motivated me uh, really to to be. Um, really steady and vigilant in my work program and, and really have kind of a 5,000 foot view of what I'm doing on the interstate. And I, and i tell you what, I'm the guy that when you have the right people pour into you and the right people invest in you, um, 
I'm, I'm that I'm the product of that. I, I, I've never accomplished anything by, on my own. I've ha- I've been very lucky to have troopers and police officers uh, that much older than me that, that's, that have influenced me, taken time to teach me. And I've had an agency to allow me to, to, to grow and to prosper and stand, stand by me in good and bad. And I, man, I, I had a incredible uh, blessed career hunting bad guys. And, and I, man, I guarantee it. I, I wouldn't rewrite it any other way. I mean, it, it really, really was. I mean, Charlie Hanger was one of my supervisors. I was about to ask about, he's the guy who stopped Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. I mean, he ended up being in our, our interdiction division was called the special operations division. He, and I, I did from 1998 until I retired, I was in that division and I, I did my last, um, uh, six years at DEA in Tulsa, but um, but from '98 to '15, I was on the road, and, and Charlie was one of my supervisors. I got some really funny stories about Charlie, but uh, great leader. But just uh, there's just a lot of men that dumped into me and, and helped me have the success that I had. So, you know, Rance, you said that there was a lot of luck involved. I don't believe in luck, and I don't believe in coincidence. No, I think I that either. everything happens for a reason. That's and right. The good Lord puts you where you're supposed to be, and then He introduced people into your life that oh, made you man. into to what you are now. Yep. Uh, and I mean, God bless Him for doing that. God bless you for recognizing what was going on and taking advantage of the situation and and being successful. Well, well you know, my my dad told me when I joined the patrol, he said, "Son, I'll tell you one thing that you need to do is you need to make sure that you seek out opportunities on the highway patrol that help you." do a job outside the patrol or, and, and help you let, allow them to teach you something unique. And when I saw the opportunity to be involved in criminal interdiction and that, which, you know, the encompasses dog, I mean, I handled five dogs, um, you know, I, I teach, you know, interviewed interrogation type stuff for many years now. Um, um, I had a guy named Carl Culberson from, from, Epic, um, diap epic program that dumped into me and, and, you know, bless his heart. You know, he died of pancreatic cancer, but he was a big part of helping me, uh, you know, become a, a diap instructor. And, and I traveled the country with that, that crazy guy. Um, but so my, my dad just told me, you know, you need to make sure that, that you pick up skill, a skill set from the patrol that will help you go beyond that life after life after the patrol. Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, teaching, uh, you know, criminal interdiction, dog handling, those type, those type of things have served me well. And, and man, the amount of people I've got to teach, I think by now, like in 36 States around the country, interdiction, interview, control deliveries, those type of things. Uh, Of course, you know, I got to accompany the, the DEA, um, piece of it when I was a TFO, uh, which, you know, taught me an additional skill set. And so I've been, I've just been real blessed with, with opportunities. And, and I, I credit my dad for telling me, Hey, chase, chase those unique opportunities down that that'll set you apart. You know, you became one of the leading, if not the leading introduction trooper in the United States, right? 
Man, I, I wouldn't claim that title. There's so many guys that are that are that that I would put there in front of me. I uh, I tell you, I I was very blessed. Me and and some guys were very blessed because right after 9/11, we we kind of learned interdiction through a fire hose almost. I mean, we were doing very well prior to 9/11. When 9/11 happened, buddy, the uh, I mean, well, it, it let's changed. talk about that for yeah. a second because Nawaf yeah. Al Hazmi, one of the 19 hijackers, was stopped and written a ticket by the Oklahoma Highway Patrol in April. Yes. Yep. He was put on a State Department watch list in August. And because uh, I worked on a big program project down at DOJ around all of this, and so I studied the 19 hijackers. And so when you look at that, my thing was, why would you put somebody on a watch list who's already in the country? Yes. Nawaf Al-Hazmi was in the country, written a ticket, documented by the Oklahoma Highway Patrol, and yet the left hand didn't know what the right hand was doing. He was on a State Department watch list, but yet nobody in the country That's right. knew that. And you look at all of these missed opportunities we could have had to pull a thread, um, you know, Put, connect the dots. And and that's the thing. These people don't parachute into federal jurisdiction. They are in state and local jurisdiction all over the place. You know? Right. That's right. Mohammed Atta, the six of them down in Florida, um, what they got into trouble up here, you know? Uh, anyway, just, but that's that the whole thing is you don't realize that. But why did, why was there a nexus? Why was it important? Because you never know where the next group of bad guys, especially with what's going on at the border right now, you never know where they're going to turn up at. No, you don't. You know, but that that nine eleven experience. I mean, I I can brag on our our department uh, that or our division that 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 year prior to or, or, or the year after nine eleven, um, we seized we about fifteen guys. We seized more uh, uh, currency than the state of Texas. And we like beating Texas every chance we get, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, we, we seized. I think, man, my gosh, I think it was like. $27 million or something in, in a year, just about 15 of us. Wow. So and did you get a new car out of that? So, no, no. We just got a pat on the back and said, keep going, boys. You know, so it you was, got the question, what have you done for me today? Yeah, what that's right. Today? Oh, you bet. So. That was the funny part. I had, I had, I didn't have any seizure anywhere near what you guys got, but I got one of the first largest ones in Kansas. It was about a quarter of a million uh -huh. because nobody had ever seized cash before. And so I used to, but you know, here's the difference between cops and crooks, right? Crooks are about stealing money. We're not about stealing money. We're no. about, I want the trophy shot. I want I want bragging rights. Give me a Polaroid. I used to tell people, so you found, you know, 250. I no, I turned in 250. Yeah. You know, there, there's a so difference. I, I, I tell you, this kind of this, this kind of leads up to my well, it leads up to a lot of things, but I always got a my, my mentor. I call him my mentor, like very specific. His name's name Mike Plunkett. He 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 was one of the guys. Him him and Jim McBride, and and a, and a few other guys kind of mentor or kind of started our interdiction division in the in the early nineties. Um, Jim Seiler uh, as well, but. Um, uh, I remember Mike Plunkett came to our little town of Shoto one time and put on a little class and, and he had these Polaroid pictures of all his seizures. And I remember seeing this Polaroid going and he had, uh, I think his badge number was 330. He had one of those little 80 model, 85 model Mustangs. He had a bunch of marijuana stacked up on it. I'm like, I'm going to have that, that right there. That's going to be me one day. You know, that was the depth of my, uh, of me at that moment in time. You know, I just want a picture with a bunch of dope, you know, and, and, uh, and sure enough, I end up, I end up getting it. So. But you know, the Mustangs, we had some guys started getting the Mustangs. They had the, the 305 in there, you know, high performance. 
Oh, yeah. Those things sucked. The transmissions would go out. There was no room to put a prisoner in there by the time you put the radio and the radar. <laughs> yeah. So what are you doing out here? Uh, you, no you're always calling somebody. You know, thankfully, one of the guys we had, he didn't arrest shit. So we never yeah. had to worry about it. He just wrote a couple tickets. But you couldn't, I mean, there was no place to put anybody in that car. No. No, they were a little bitty. <laughs> well, let's 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 talk about something though, because once you get through training, you talk about all of these things not being prepared for stuff. Let's talk about what you weren't prepared for on the first night you were released. Because <laughs> I got to tell you, in oh. all my years, and I know Murphy's, this we don't want to give away what it is yet, but I have never heard of this before. So let's set the stage. Let's talk okay. about your first night. You're released. Okay. You are now going to burn a blue streak through the state of Oklahoma. Branson Perry is on uh, the loose. Boy. What's going on? I tell you what, it, and nothing makes this story better than after it happens. And I'll tell you about it, but after it happens, uh, I'm, I'm up all night working and, uh, and my dad calls me that morning, wakes me up. He says, well, <laughs> I Did see you, learn you worked something? your first night. <laughs> I'm like, what? and he's still the troop commander over in Tulsa. I said, "Do what?" He goes, "Well, I, I hear you had quite an eventful evening." <laughs> I'm like, "Dad, uh, they didn't teach me how to handle that patrol school. They just ran me, you know." <laughs> so well, let's 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 talk about that. So, why was yeah. your dad uh, inquiring? Let's let's talk about this yeah, event. So, what was going on? All right, and it, and you know what? There's a, there is some good life lessons in this whole deal. But uh, me and my partner of mine, Brian Jenkins, were work, had a little deal check going there over in Rogers County, and and we we finished it. Sun went down, and and I thought, well, I'm gonna I'm just gonna do a little traffic work here on the old Highway 33, and. And I clocked at, th at that time, I think speed limit was 55 there. I clocked this little red Jeep, uh, Cherokee running, running like 88 miles an hour on my, on my old radar there and, and turned around and, and gave chase and caught up to it. And we're now northbound and, and I turned my lights on and, and lo and behold, first night on, this is the first night to work by myself and we are in pursuit. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, all right. Yeah, buddy. So we're going, we're blowing stop signs and we're getting it, man. And, and I mean, I am fired up and my old partner, I just did a deal check with, he's trying to get to me. And what kind and of car did you have? I had a, I had a 91 Chevy Caprice. So, oh yeah, baby. Oh buddy. I'm telling you. So we were getting after it. And the only thing that I remember to do correct there, I didn't do anything wrong, but, but I, Heck, I didn't know what I was doing really. And uh, is when the vehicle came to a stop, I'm like, I'm gonna go out here in the shadows and and kind of get up on a kind of pie this thing, you know. So I get my gun out and I go over to the shadows and I remember giving some orders. And I remember this female coming out and she was like had like a big QT cup like juggling around this cup. I'm like, well, she must be drunk. Quick trip you know? cup. Yeah. Yeah. Quick trip the, cup. Yeah. The big Slurpee, the 54 yeah, big Slurpee, <laughs> you know, and, and she just had regular clothes on, wasn't a, you know, nothing special. And I'm like, get on the ground, you know, doing the old new cop thing. And, and I'm, man, I'm a good 30 feet away from her. And, She's she's yelling something at me, and I got a little closer. Of course, I'm pointing my gun. She's like, I'm a deputy. I'm like, say again. And she said, I'm a deputy. And I'm like, uh, 
show me badge. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like guest room. I'm a double knot spy. Yeah. Okay. And so, so I get a little closer, and and I can tell at this time I'm not like afraid of nothing anymore. And I hear, I hear the squelch of a radio coming from inside her car. Now is she um, the only one? Uh, yes. She, She's the yeah. only one in there? Yeah, only one in there. And I hear a squelch. I'm like, this must be one of these reserves I hear about, you know. Because now, mind you, I'm from Tulsa. You know, I'm, I'm a city guy. And this is out in rural Oklahoma. This is out in Rogers County. And so I'm thinking, well, maybe she's a reserve. And I'm like, so what are you? She goes, I'm a Rogers County deputy. I'm, I'm going to a call. I'm like, well, I don't see any lights. I said, you have a commission card. And she, she goes, well, I can't find a commission card. And, and so she hands me this badge and of course, you know, I'm like, okay. So, I mean, I put my gun up and, and I never, never laid a hand on her. And I mean, she is madder than fire. She goes, you, you need to let me go. I'm like, no, you ain't going nowhere. And, and she couldn't find her commission card. She goes, well, I'm going to call the sheriff. I'm like, okay. And she went to chewing on me. I'm like, you ain't going nowhere, but I didn't know what to do from there. And I'm like, I don't think I need to put. I don't think I need to put her in handcuffs because that's she like the dog a, who runs after the truck yeah. and catches it and goes. Now what do I do? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, I don't know what to do here. So I'm like, I know what I'll do. I'll call my supervisor. There <laughs> so, you go. So I'm like, I tell you what, you call the sheriff. I'm gonna call my boss and we'll 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 talk here in a minute. So now, several years later, version of me, uh, she'd have made that call from the jail. Okay, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah. you live and learn. So <laughs> I go back to my car. I call, I get on the radio and kind of tell everybody I've got a deputy that's blah, blah, blah. And by this time, old partner before shows up. Before you get up. into that, how long, yes. how long had you been chasing this deputy before she finally pulled over and stopped? She, how long are we talking about? She ran about, about three miles, three or four miles. So, so I mean, I mean was, there's, there's no, ex- at that point, you're, oh, no, no. Yeah. you're lit up. You got sirens yep. going. Yeah. She, she even goes over a four lane divided highway you know, and it like blows it. And wow. so, yeah, it was really crazy. And she's telling me she's going to some call. Hey players, that is the end of part one. Part two comes out as always on Tuesday. In the meantime, go check us out at Game of Crimes on Twitter, at Game of Crimes podcast on Facebook and the Instagram. Also go check out our website, gameofcrimespodcast.com. We've got a lot more information there, including our book list. Any book written by our guests will be listed there. In the meantime, go check us out also, patreon.com slash game of crimes. It's where we put a lot more content you won't hear on our regular podcast. We go into a lot more topics, and folks, it is a lot of fun. So go check us out, patreon.com slash game of crimes. In the meantime, everybody stay safe. We'll see you tomorrow for part two.